Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, July 19, 2020. This morning, you're going to need to get ready. Because we got something good for you this morning. Something life-changing. How about that? Y'all ready for this? All right. Hey, in case we haven't told you guys in a while. We really love you guys. Yeah. The truth is, is we're more than just pastors in a congregation. That's right. We are family. Look, I just want to remind you where you're at here. It's such a joy and an honor to get to do life together the way that we do it. Amen? Amen. You know, God has given us a way of life that is biblically founded. It's heavenly validated. It is spiritually supernatural. It is, it is a way of life that is empowered by the living God. Come on now, this empowered LCM way of life is about producing fruit. Somebody say, produce some fruit. Produce some fruit. Fruit that will last. See, we know that that is only possible through discipleship. 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 Can I say it again? Discipleship. Yeah, amen. Wait, what was that word again? All right, disciples, turn to Luke chapter 6. Let's go to verse 40. There we go. A student, a Talmud, Talmudim, is not above his teacher. But everyone who is fully trained, say fully trained. Fully trained. Everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. You know what, church? This place right here, this is LCM. LCM is about having fully train sons of God that are just like their teacher. Sons of God that are just like their fathers that the Lord has put over them in the faith. This brings us to the title of today's message. Like I said, are you ready for this? The title of today's message is Fully Trained. Oh, come on now. Look, I want to let you know that I've been fully trained. That Matt Pirro has been fully trained. See, now our lives are about fully training others. This is what we've given ourselves completely to. You know, I was thinking the other day about a sermon that I got a chance to do with Judah Stevens last September. It's already been last September. The sermon was entitled All Aboard. What that was was a compilation, a distillation of 1,700 sermons. You're welcome. And 17 (laughs) years of life here at LCM. Come on. We disseminated our entirety in our entire existence as a church down to seven points. Somebody say thank you, pastors. Thank you, pastors. We got seven things that we want to show you and put up on a slide now. Seven waypoints, definitive measurements of what we are and what we produce. We've got a foundational transformation. We've got to have a full price lifestyle. Yeah. We have families that actually function. Yeah, they do. We've got a fiery faith. We've got a full gospel proclamation. Mm. We favor Israel at every turn, and we have a desire, an effort, a a lifestyle that produces people who are going to be and who currently are fountains to the nations. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You guys want to know, how did we get this? We got it through getting revelation out of the word. Not only just getting revelation, putting that revelation to work and actually getting some experience utilizing that revelation. 
that God enabled us to see His Word living and active in our own lives, laying out waypoints that are our core principles that have established and even built what this house is. You know, through the course of the, what is it now, 16 years that I've been here, since 2004, I've watched the birthing of LCM. I watched the kingdom of God here on earth, raising up disciples, teaching men and women how to become fully trained. But that's come with a price. It's come with a price of watching things being birthed through adversity. Our stage is full of children because we have acted on the principles that are on this screen. We have stood our ground. We have literally watched things being birthed from adversity. And we're blessed because of it. We have fruit to show it. We've gone through opposition after opposition after being Satan in the face again and again and again. But not without God's miraculous affirmations that have been right there with us. His resurrection power at work in us through every opposition. Let me tell you how we were formed, guys. In 2004, when I got here, there was about six people in the church. And maybe about three or four kids at that time. It was inside of a living room that just moved to a garage. We had vision that was bigger than our resources. It was bigger than our current church congregation. Still do. But we never stopped being who we are. And it's going to keep on growing, baby. <laughs> what I've watched is all of us collectively together experience the waypoints that are the core principles of this church. Because they're the core principles of how God establishes his kingdom on earth. I've seen miraculous affirmations of marriages being put back together. Amen. Let me get something straight. Not just marriage enrichment. Right? That's what you do to bread to make it really taste good. It's enriched flour. We're talking about marriage counseling. Let's be honest. Marriage repair. Foundational repair. Your marriages were broken when you got here. And through these core principles, through the pastors, that was fixed. That was an example of a miraculous affirmation. That extended all the way into children being born and a miraculous affirmation of us knowing how to parent them rightly. I mean, some five-folded ministry on their rear end. Yes, God did it to us and then we do it to our kids. That's how we get fully trained. Over all these years, I've watched daily, not just seasons, I've watched daily the way that God's right hand has provided for every member in this church, how he sustained every fabric, every foundation of your life. And we've done it as a family. That's been the key point. This isn't a, a membership. This is a family. A family that has been purchased and birthed through the blood and through the water of our Savior. Amen. See, what God has made us into what is exactly what we are requiring you to become. Yeah. Let me say that again. What God has made us, made Matt Pirro, made Wade Sutherland, made Eric Stevens, the elders, what he has made us into, we are requiring every single person in this church to become exactly like we are, fully trained. See, isn't that different about this list? You may work for a company that has core values. You may work for, see a place that has a list of certain nice, fancy words on the wall. We're telling you that 
our lives can be summarized in these seven things. We're telling you that if God sent you here, your life will be, somebody say will be, will be, summarized in the exact seven things that God gave to us. Yes. Because that's how a family works. Yes. Everyone follow me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start taking a look at what we mean by foundational transformation. Mm, Lay that foundation. Matthew 18 in verse 1. Somebody say, fully trained when you get there. At that time, Mm -hmm. the Talmudim, the disciples came to Jesus and asked a very, very spiritual question, right? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? (laughs) That was supposed to be funny because that's actually what they're asking him, right? These Talmudim are asking their rabbi, who's the bestest? Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite? Who do you like more, Jesus? I love moments like this because the Bible is showing us exactly what we sometimes think. That's true. Lord, are, are you really seeing my greatness now? I mean, are you see, I mean, I know you gave me something, but are you seeing it? Verse 2. He called a little child. What an interesting way to, ask, to answer a question about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Hey, let me get a kid, okay? Bring that child right here and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Like Jesus would say anything else. But he's making sure that you understand he's giving you a serious principle to live by. I tell you the truth. Unless you change. Come on now. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I thought we were trying to grow up in our salvation. You absolutely are, but you can't even start that until you change. Somebody say, well, you got to change. You got to change. Become like little children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. See, you can't keep going after the greatness of your own. This Greek word here means changed at a foundational level. It means to turn from something and to be changed into something. Yeah. See, that's the great part of what we got here. We're not just leaving something. We're going towards something. We're being made and changed into something. Changed into the way of life that where God has put you. You got to be fully trained. Somebody say fully trained. Fully trained. By the way, this is not just about the day that you got saved. This is not about some past salvation. But pastor, you got a room full of people who've been changed. Anybody still need to be changed? Right here. Anybody still need to be saved? Anybody in the process of being saved right now? See, we have to have an ongoing, daily, foundational transformation that keeps changing us. Life changing. We are not called life changed ministries. We are life changing ministries that means we got to keep changing we got to keep growing to do what god has for us constantly being changed and transformed to his likeness church i know what this is like i loved the lord as much as i knew how before i got to lcm but i have been changed i have been foundationally fundamentally transformed into something that god has always that i've always wanted that god always had intended for me but i didn't get there on my own That's true. I got changed here at Life Changing Ministry. Now what is my job? To help you get changed. Amen. How do you change? You got to have a heart that says, Lord, change me. The cry that began this ministry was, Lord, change me. 
You got to have a life that is fully committed to discipleship. Somebody say fully trained. Fully trained. You can't do this while you're running your own race. You can't do this while you're going off in your own way. God put you here to become what we are. We're saying follow me and understand and live a life that's fully trained. Amen. You got to have eyes that are focused on changing one life at a time. We have a we have a sign for you on your way out so you can remember changing one life at a time. That's exactly what we're still being about. We're not interested in some mass movement where you can pull in hundreds and thousands. You don't get changed that way. You're not foundationally transformed that way. You got to have a walk that is proof of a change, resurrected life. We got to have less talk and more walk in this house to show that you've been trained. Church, do you want to be fully trained? Then follow me into foundational transformation. You know, as you follow us into the foundational transformation, I want to share with you a bit of wisdom. That is, your heart cannot rightly see how to change them unless it first starts with the attitude of, Lord, change me. I can't tell you how many people that have stepped in this house and their first and primary goal was, Lord, change them. Lord, change the pastors. Lord, change the way that they do things to conform to what I think they should be. Change did not occur. Transformation will not occur until you first start with, Lord, change me. You came to this house to be changed and to continue to be changed. Speaking of foundational transformation, I'm going to go somewhere that has been life-changing for me. Constantly life-changing. In fact, it's the foundational transformation of my household. It's the foundational block of my mezuzah. Let's go to Romans 12.1. Oh, yeah, it is. Yes. The discipleship. You should all be there already. You should have figured out where he's going, and you should already be there. Therefore... I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be changed in the name of Jesus. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That comes through the word of God. Then. Everybody say then. Then. Then you can have a a right understanding of what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Do you want to know how to find God's will? Then become a living sacrifice to the point of being transformed. And then you can have the right mind on top of your shoulders and be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. But let me share with you another insight about this foundational transformation. It's not done in a day. See, the day that the Lord highlighted this scripture for my mezuzah, the way that my family banner would operate, that's not the only day that it comes alive and directs my every action and thought. It's not done in a day. It's done every day. Oh, come on now. Not done in a day, but this is done every day. Foundational transformation is daily. And see, I know, I know exactly what foundational transformation looks like because I experienced it at the age of 16 and I have daily experienced it from that point forward. I've seen it in me. I've seen it in my wife. I've seen it in my children. I've seen it in our disciples and I know what it should look like inside of you. 
So when I am challenging you whether or not you've experienced a foundational transformation today, you need to be open and receptive and willing to let me use my experience with the revelation of God's word and help you get fully trained by experiencing foundational transformation. I want you to follow me into foundational transformation because I want you to become fully trained. Come on, somebody say fully trained. Turn with us to Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23. During our time today, we're going to go over law, prophets, and writings many, many times. Yeah. Because that's who we are. This is what is part of what is making us, has made us into who we are and what will make you into who we are. Genesis 23 and verse 7 says this. Then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land, the Hittites. He said to them, if you are willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf. So he will sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him at the end, and it's at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it to me for the full price. Somebody say oh, full yeah. price. Full price. As a burial site among you. Church, Abraham has just lost the love of his life. Sarah has just died. He's coming up to a group of people and saying, I need to have a place not only to bury my wife, I need to have a place where I can have a spot where I know the resurrection of the dead will occur in my family. Come on, man. He's asking. Not for it to be given to him. He is asking to pay full price because what he is going after is so valuable. He doesn't want to do anything less than pay full for price. He's securing the site of the resurrection for his family. Yeah. How much is it for you to secure the site of the resurrection for your family? We're not talking about a cave. We're not talking about a tomb. How much is it worth to you to have the, the actual presence of God in your life, in your kid's life, from generation to generation? That should make you want to pay full price in this house. A resurrection hope is worth paying the full price. Look at verse 10. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who came to the gate of the city. Hey, 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 hey Abraham. Look, no, my Lord, listen to me. I give you the field. Well, that's awful nice. And I give you the cave that's in it. I give it to you in the presence of my people. I'm not going to back up on this deal. I'm giving it to you. Go ahead and bury your dead. Again, Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephron in their hearing, listen to me, if you will. I will pay the price of the field. Come on. Accept it from me so I can bury my dead there. Church, you, you are a part of a group of people. LCM, the men that are before you, are full price individuals. We go full price all the time. You know why? Because the gospel is worth it. The kingdom yes. is worth it. You're worth it. We're going to keep paying full price even when we're offered worldly options to do something less than pay full price. Woo. This is a bold, full price faith that we're supposed to have. This is a DCD, don't care a damn, disciples creating disciples, get in the truck, a courage to pay the full price kind of people. And we are men that are ashamed to pay anything less. Come on, We won't have it. Church, this is a protection to you. It is. 
the way of life that says, you better pay full price. Yeah, I did one day long ago when I got saved. No, every day you got to keep paying full price because this is still worth it. It's still worth everything you have. It's still worth every drop of your finances, of your efforts, of your heart. It's worth it all. It protects you from getting crushed by comfort, by allowing pride to rise within you and you not even see it. The selfishness that's within us all. This is a a mechanism that defeats that every time. You know why? Because we are people who go and pay full price. Is the resurrection worth it? Yes. Is the true gospel worth it? Yes. Are your generations worth it? Yes. See, this is not just a one day, I did something fancy, I did something extravagant for the Lord. This is an everyday call that says, we're going to be extravagant, we're going to be full price every single day of our life and never cease. Amen. It's not a mantra, it's our way of life. It's who we are and it's what we do. Do you want to be fully trained, church? Yes. Then follow me into a full price kind of life. Amen. Follow me to First Chronicles chapter 21. And we'll pick up in verse 22. Say fully trained when you're there. David said to them, Let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord, that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the half price. Sell it to me at the full price. price. Aruna said to David, take it. Let my Lord the king do whatever pleases him. Look, I'll give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I'll give all of this. But King David replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that cost me nothing. David has a full price mentality. He is setting up a model for the generations to follow. You know what he's doing? He's securing the site from which his tent and Solomon's temple would reside and the holy of holies would be in that very spot. Because of his full price mentality, it was actually purchasing the place that year after year the high priest would enter into and the whole nation of Israel would experience salvation in a single day. What is your full price going to purchase? Salvation for the generations. It's going to purchase the fully trained men and women of God that will come after you. But in our day and time, saints, there are reduced price altars and they're everywhere just just show up look we'll provide the oxen we'll provide the grain for the offering we'll provide the fire you just be around here don't worry about being fully trained just be fully tithing but that's not what god is building in this house not in this house in this house we pay full price baby Even full price with a tip on top. At LCM, we insist on paying the full price because he paid the full price for me. My response is going to be, I'm going to pay the full price for him. But not just for him, I'm going to pay the full price for the generations, for the very disciples that are right here in front of me right now. I want to follow the fathers of our faith who paid the full price. Because this is exactly why. After David paid the full price, you know what he witnessed? Fire from heaven falling on that altar. 
I want fire from heaven to fall within me, to fall within this house. But what's required is that you follow me and paying the full price just as I am. Who in here wants fire to fall on your offering? Then it has to be a full price offering. It cannot be 80%, 90%, or 99%. It has to be 100%. Come on now. It's got to be something more than you just saying that he's the Lord of your life. Yeah. How can you say he's the Lord of your life when you're always trying to have something in reserve? You're always trying to trust in your own strength. See, our great king paid full price for, for us. Yeah. See, I want to pay full price for him. I want to pay full price so for the thems that are out there. That's the only way that you bring in yes. actual people into the kingdom is when yes. a full price is paid. Yes. Our Savior did it for us. We've got to do it for Him and we've got to do it for other people. Amen. Anybody in this house want to be fully trained? Yes. Then follow me into a full price yes. way of life. Follow me into a full price attitude today. Amen. Church, you going to follow us? Follow us to Genesis chapter 7. And we'll start in verse 1. Are we here today, brother? Fully trained. Genesis 7, 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. You know, after thorough study within our Hebrew lexicons, I have discovered what the true meaning of go into the ark is. When you begin to spell it out, it clearly states, get in the truck. That's exactly what it says. Verse 13. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his beautiful wife and the wives of his three sons, they entered into the ark. Oh, you have a proclamation of God saying, get in the truck. Then you have him, Noah, that one man that God spoke to. He looked back at his family. You know what he said? Get in the truck, which is follow me in this obedience. Follow me in our family function. What's at risk? What's at stake? The generations of all the nations. That without Noah telling his family, come follow me, we wouldn't have the 70 that would then be displayed in Genesis 10. We wouldn't have the model by which we all have our lives uh, patterned after. When we call out to our disciples, when we call out to our family to get in a truck, we're acting like real men of God. I know there are real men of God in this building this morning. And let me tell you something. Pay attention closely. As men of God, we must lead our families and disciples to follow us into the shalom that we have established. Daily, we work until we are exhausted as men of God to establish shalom first in our home, first in our family function, so that shalom can then go from that center, that epicenter of shalom, out to the nations. We must lead our family with a follow me into our family function kind of attitude. This is the only way that my family can become fully trained. That's right. This morning, church, I am calling you to follow me into our family function so that we can all become fully trained. Church, we're tired of seeing places that have a single, quote-unquote, great leader, a sage on a stage, and families that are falling apart. We're saying in this house, follow us right on into a family that functions correctly. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 15. Say, fully trained when you get there.
There you go. <laughs> Numbers 8 and verse 15 says this. After you have purified the Levites and presented them as a wave offering. Before you can do anything else, you got to have a priesthood. It might be like you have to elevate the priesthood because yeah, that's where this buddy. thing starts from. It's Come almost on. like you need a group of people who've had a foundational transformation yes. to be at work. Yes, They are to come to do their work at the tent of meeting. Amen. Somebody say, do the work. Do the work. Come on now. They are the Israelites who are to be given wholly to me. Yeah. To be given completely to me. What does that sound like? That sounds like a full price kind of life right there. Yes. I've taken them as my own in place of the firstborn. Somebody say family function. The first male offspring from every Israelite woman. Every firstborn male in Israel, whether man or animal, is mine. This is the Lord speaking. If you're a firstborn, he said, and you're in Israel, he said, you belong to me. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set apart all the firstborn for myself. And I have taken the Levites in place of the firstborn sons of Israel. Mm. Not only are we bringing shalom to your home, to the husbands and wives and the kids. We... Somebody say we. We. We must function like a family. Amen. We yeah. have to interact not like a hireling and someone who's paying our salary. We act as fathers and sons. We act as yes. fathers and daughters in this house. Yeah. Pastor, I love that concept, but uh, let's be honest. You're not old enough to be my dad. Quit being so carnal in your thinking. Pride. You, you think this is about the number of years that your body has been on the earth? None. Or did God put you in the right kind of family? Did yeah. he put you in a place that's going to teach you how to have your family function and then have the family function? Amen. See, the priesthood is a gift to the body. The priesthood is a gift from the Lord to the people. Do you know what the gift back to the priests are? Yeah, we don't need birthday presents. You never, ever, ever have to get us a birthday present. We don't even want it. You know what we want? We want to see your lives flourishing. We want to see you becoming yes. what we are. That is the best gift. It makes every day even better than a birthday. It's the because gift that you got people given. who are becoming fully trained. Do I have anybody in this house who wants to become fully trained? Yes. Then follow me into your family function. Oh, uh, church, the biblical model of fatherhood is clearly displayed in the phrase, follow me. At LCM, this call is clear and it is consistent. We haven't changed this call from day one. It is still the same. Follow me. We are fathers who produce sons full of the same foundational transformation. We are fathers that produce sons that are faithful to pay the full price. We are fathers that produce sons that know their family function and sons that are fully trained and full of <clears throat> fiery faith. Come on. Somebody say fiery faith. Turn with us to Leviticus chapter 9. Hey, I want to be really, really honest with you. I want to tell you something that's a, that's a bit of an insight from the pastoral realm here. There are people in this room that are what we are. There are people in this room that are becoming what we are. And there are people in this room... There's a reason that we're preaching our sermon today. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 1. On the eighth day, somebody say eighth day. Eighth day. Come on, that day of new beginnings. Something new is happening. Yeah. Moses summoned Aaron and his sons. 
and the elders. Wait a minute. Are you saying, Pastor, that a fiery faith is one that starts with having a team of people who are committed to the same thing? Are you saying, Pastor, that it's got to be a family that's working together rightly so that we can see this new beginning, this fiery faith that's there? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. We've got sons. We've got Moses and Aaron. And we've got the elders all acting in unison. And let's see what that produces. Oh, verse 5 of Leviticus 9. They took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting. And the entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do. So that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. That is the goal for which God is giving instruction to Moses. Moses said to Aaron, come to the altar and sacrifice. Follow me, big guy. You sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. See, fiery faith, it starts by dealing with your own sin first. That is the ignition of fiery faith. Fiery faith then moves on to focus on helping atone for the sins of others. This is the pattern that God showed Moses and Moses told Aaron to go carry out. The goal is this, is that you are freeing others from the slaviers of sin, helping them experience a foundational transformation. And that the point is that everyone gets to fully experience the glory of God. Amen. Everyone gets to experience the fiery faith. Oh, what is it like in worship whenever we are going through the tabernacle, we're getting our hearts right, and we begin to make right sacrifice before the Lord. We then become consecrated. And as pastors, we're getting our hearts right so that we can help you get your hearts right. And when everybody's hearts right, the fire of God drops in this room. Transformation is something that just natively begins to happen when your heart's right. See, a fiery faith settles for nothing less. It calls out, follow me into this fiery faith so that you can become fully trained. Amen. Let's look down at verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands. Come on, somebody in the house, lift your hands. But that's not how Aaron did it. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. Come on, it isn't in our nature as human beings to say, bless me, Lord. I'm lifting my hands here, Lord. Come on, give me some fire, Lord. Aaron has already done this, and so he lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, otherwise known as foundational transformation, Mm. the burnt offering, that thing has got to be consumed like it's paying full price. And the fellowship offering of a family that functions, yeah, buddy, he stepped down. Say what? He stepped down. See, men whose sins have been atoned for can't help but want to get the sins of others to be atoned for. They're never lifted up for this. It's God who's doing the atoning in them. See, they're not stepping out. Stepping out with my baby. They ain't stepping out. They're not stepping up. They're stepping down in humility. You know what a fiery faith does? It burns those prideful thoughts away. It burns those things out of you. And you are able, in the moment of glory, of blessing people, to just step down. Come on. 
all the authority, all the calling, the power, the prestige to be able to lift up his hands and bless the people and all the maturity, all of being fully trained to be able to step down and get out of the way. Come on, come on. look at verse 23. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people. A time of you really being in the presence of the Lord is going to drive that where you're looking to bless someone else. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out. Somebody say fire. Fire. These men had a fiery faith and the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and then fell face down. Shouted for joy and then realized, whoo! I wonder where they learned to feel the joy of the Lord and then step down. I wonder where they learned that from. Man, perhaps it was from the men who were leading them. Men who step down in humility are highly regarded by God. They get to see God step in and they step in the tent of meeting with him and they meet with him in new and fiery ways. Stepping down in humility. And stepping into meetings with the Lord allows you to step out in fiery faith to fix the faith of everyone around you. Amen. That's good. How's your fiery faith doing? Oh, pastor, I got fiery faith. Are you actually impacting the people's faith around you? Or are you saying it because you have enough energy to, to equate that to fire? Fire and energy are two different things, church. Yeah. You got to have a fiery faith. Because it's going to impact the people around you. Men blessed by God can't help but bless others. They're only worried about blessing others. When the Lord sees us lift our hands to bless others, He reaches out His hand to bless us and send you the fire that you need. Anybody in this house want to be fully trained? Yes. Then follow me into a fiery faith. Church, this event was the beginning of the generational faith of the priesthood of God. It was setting up the Levitical Men of God that would serve the nation of Israel. It was fiery. It was lit from the holy altar of God's fires. It was a fiery faith that brought fire to the faith of others. Do y'all clearly see that? Well, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. And we'll start in verse 21. Another example of fiery faith. Say fully trained when you're there. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? Hmm. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. See, church, a fiery faith does not fluctuate. A fiery faith is not double-minded. It is not experiencing paralyzation due to analyzation. It knows clearly where it stands And it is calling to others, follow me into this fiery faith. See, he's laying it out very clear. You go follow Baal or you follow the Lord. But you're going to have to choose today. I'm leaving no wiggle room, no ambiguity. You're going to decide this morning. Elijah was filled with a fiery faith that proclaimed, follow me. And we are saying this morning, I am saying this morning, follow me into this fiery faith that you might receive forgiveness, that the altars of your heart may be fixed and you may become fully trained men and women of God. Let's look at verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. 
That sounds like LCM kind of odds right there. One against 450. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut them to pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he's the one. Then all the people said, uh, what you said is pretty good. We can go with that. I like that. I like that. That's a good plan. A fiery faith is never scared to be put to the test. Come on. How good is your faith today? <laughs> a fiery faith is never, ever afraid to be put to the test. You go ahead and pick first, as a matter of fact. I'm not worried about it. I don't need the best circumstances. I'm going to be like an olive tree planted in the house of the Lord. Yes. I don't need comfort. I'm going to do exactly what God said. You go ahead and pick first, as a matter of fact. Because I'm not worried about it. A fiery faith, this goes on and it shows you that a fiery faith fixes altars. It finds favor of both God and man. A fiery faith is not flaky. It's not fickle. Surely not flaccid. It's firm and fixed, and it will endure before the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Let's look at verse 29. Midday passed, but they continued their frantic prophesying. Oh, until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. See, fiery faith is not frantic. But when you're absent of fiery faith, you begin to frantically spiritualize everything. Being spiritual without the Holy Spirit. Having action with no substance. Being a tree with no fruit. You have a desperate desire to display the value of who you are when you really have nothing of worth to deposit in other people. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. You know what he said? Follow me. He's given them a choice to repent. He's given them a choice to take their stand and have the same fiery faith that he had. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. See, a fiery faith calls others to come follow me. And the result of the fiery faith will, will be an ignited heart, a repaired altar that right sacrifice can begin to be made. When we are possessing fiery faith, we are eagerly looking to go fix and repair the altars of other people's hearts. This morning, I'm making the exact same call. I'm calling to you disciples in this house, the men and women of God in this family, to come follow me into this same fiery faith because we all need to be fully trained. Come on, church. A fiery faith always produces results. It always either draws people by the fire and the warmth or it repels them. Why does everything have to be so difficult here at LCM? Because it's difficult in the kingdom. Yeah. Pastor, I've I've witnessed all kinds of people. Has anyone been upset with you lately because you've actually presented the full gospel? Or is everybody just kind of happy with you? Hey, I can assure you, if you're not receiving the kind of conflict in the spiritual realm that you see in our lives, then you don't yet have the fiery faith that we have. Come on. That fiery faith moves people. It causes people to want to hate you, and you don't, they don't even know why. Come on, Chris, you know anything about that? You know, anybody who wants to burn you down on the way out. <laughs> Amen. Look at verse 37. That's because Chris has got a fiery faith. Yeah, he does. 
even his business is starting to catch on fire. Come on, I'm seeing some people back there that might know a little bit about that. Look at verse 37. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that, O Lord, that you are God. That you are turning their hearts back again. See, you don't have to question if somebody knows whether you got a fiery faith or not. If you do, they will know. If you really have a fiery faith, you don't even need to say it because they're either going to be drawn or repulsed. And in this case, have their hearts turned back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench. That's what a fire does is it completely consumes. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! Church of fiery faith facilitates the faith of others. Is that what your faith is doing? Is that what your faith is producing? Are you still worried about just lifting your hands up? Are you, is your faith beginning to turn towards other people and impact their lives for you to produce fruit? Because that's what we're after. We're not just reminding you a list of things. We're telling you what we are. We're telling you what goes on in our life in a daily way. How about your life? We are raising up a church of people who are going to be exactly what we are. Amen. And after that, you're going to be even better than us. You're going to go further than us because that fire is at work in you. This is not a fantasy, fallacious, fickle kind of faith. This is a fiery faith that we're working towards. It's got to cause other people to say the Lord, he is God. Anybody want to be fully trained in this house? Come on, then follow me into a fiery faith. Oh, church, as we are following into a fiery faith you know what that leads to having the ability to preach the full gospel a full gospel presentation and that full gospel presentation it has to be it must be free of smoothing over and compartmentalization saying that this is just for this area of my life this is just for this certain group of people no the full gospel is full It needs to be fully at work within you. It needs to be fully at work in others. And it needs to be fully at work in your life on a daily basis. In other words, let me state it like this. We must acknowledge with our mouths that the scripture is sufficient. While demonstrating in our actions that we trust that is sufficient. In every area of our life. For every day of our life. We are declaring today that you are called to follow me. In living out the full gospel. That's what we do every single day. This looks like following my dependency on the daily resurrection of power that work in my life. In order that I might become, in order that you might become fully trained disciples in this house. Now the truth is, churches, we've told you this many times. And you know what? This can kind of be an uncomfortable thought that we are saying, follow me. We like the idea of following Jesus. We like the idea of following the Spirit. But the way, the mechanism that He has put before you, the church of the living God, the family of God, is that you have fathers that say, you better get in line and you better follow me. That's what a father's job is to do, is say, family, we're going this direction. Come with me. Come with me. Learn to be what I am. Learn to do what I do. Come on now. Let's turn in the idea and the understanding of full gospel. Where else can we go but 1 Corinthians 15? 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at verse 57. Somebody say, fully trained when you get there. 
But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You realize that this is the last two verses of 58 verses that are telling you what the full gospel is. It's telling you that it's more than just that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. It's saying because he died on the cross and rose again, you got power and you better start to rise again. Amen. You better have resurrection power at work in you. But not for only for some time distant the future, but for today and for tomorrow that he is alive inside of you. Look at verse 58. Therefore, somebody say, therefore, therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Of course, you can stand firm if you've got the full gospel. Amen. If you don't have the full gospel, you'll never stand firm. You'll fall for anything. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Amen. Like, because it's a full gospel, and you've paid full price, and you're set on fire, so you go fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor is not in vain. See, we're talking about more than an elevator speech to, to think about a full gospel presentation. We got a full gospel lifestyle. We've got a full gospel way of life here Amen. that's full of difficulties. It's full of trials. It's also full of power. It's yes. also full of fruit. It's also full of disciples. It's also full of God's presence. It's also full of heavenly bread. Why? Because it's the full gospel. And what happens in the Word is what's happening in our lives. Anybody in this house want to be fully trained today? Yes. Then follow me into a full gospel lifestyle. Saints, let me read this to you. Revelation 22, 18 says this. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which is described in this book. See, the attitude that we have this morning is follow me into a full gospel way of life. One that is daily putting its hope in our resurrection power. One that says, follow me into rightly handling the word of God into not adding or to or taking away from the full gospel, the one that is designed to make you fully trained. Are you going to follow us into the full gospel? Amen. Come on, follow us to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. See, as we're progressing through these of a foundational transformation, of, of always paying full price, of a family function, of fiery faith, and a full gospel proclamation, that it leads us to a special, special part of who this church is because we're going to favor Israel. Because God favors Israel. Amen. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. Let's look at verse 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when He divided all mankind, He set up boundaries for the people according to the Benai Ha Elohim. Not just the sons of Israel, but he did this according to the sons of God. For the Lord's portion, come on, think about those heavenly counsels that we've been talking about over the last weeks and months. The Lord's portion is his people. Israel, or Jacob, his allotted inheritance. I want to tell you something that is revolutionary, that is incredible revelation for us today. 
Can I tell you that God's plan for His people in His land with this plan does not need to be adjusted? It does not need to be amended. It does not need to be abrogated, especially by faithless theologians and faithless pastors in our pulpits. Israel is the center of the world as far as God is concerned. Yeah. That is an amazing revelation. See, you can't say that you have a heart after God if you don't love the very thing that He loves. Come on. You can't have a heart after God unless you love what He loves. Amen. The book of Ephesians tells you that the mystery is, is you get to be included. But included means that they are the primary and you're added in yes. and joined with. Yes. Not replacing and throwing away. Yes. Think about the ironic blessing for just a second in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. See, this was right at the end of a chapter about a Nazarite vow. About what you're supposed to do in your diet, in your hair, and how to deal with, with death when it happens around you. Why? So that these men would be consecrated. They would be foundationally transformed and full of God's power so that they could bless Israel. Amen. Say to the Israelites, bless them with these yes. words that they might be moved because God favors them and I want you to let them know that. Yeah. Does anybody want to be fully trained in this house? Yes. Then follow me into a heart that daily favors Israel. Let's look at one more scripture that deals with this. Psalm 105 and verse 8. Say fully trained when you're there. He remembers his covenant forever, forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit it. See, LCM, we favor Israel because God does. Amen. And we will do it eternally, everlasting, because He has promised to show His favor to Israel for an eternity and for an everlasting. See, He clearly started, God clearly started bringing salvation to us Gentiles by starting with a Jewish Savior who was born within a Jewish family, who resided did his entire life and ministry within a Jewish nation. Why do we favor Israel? Because God does. Our salvation, it is centered on it. And look, our job as Gentiles is to understand God's plan and make his people envious so that we can help them complete God's plan for their lives, for the entirety of the nation. We must follow Paul's direction to favor Israel so that we can become fully trained just as he was. Romans 11, 11 says this. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. But rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to you, Gentiles, to make Israel envious. We're making the call this morning, come follow me and showing Favor to Israel so that you can become fully trained. Able to help Israel complete their call to then become a foundation or fountain to the nations. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 15, verse 27. 
If you don't already you know, know what the scripture is in your mind, I want to encourage you to be more like us. This is a pivotal scripture <laughs> yes. for our church. Yes. It's pivotal. Exodus 15, verse 27, talking about fountain to the nations, says this, Then they came to Liam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. See, if you've been here for any amount of time at all, you should understand what Eliam to the nations means. It means that there are 12 springs that are supposed to feed these 70 palms. That those who have received divine revelation have an obligation to feed the nations of the world. Church, I want to remind you of something. Maybe you've forgotten it. But we haven't. God has called a hundred families from our church and the One Association churches to populate Muslim countries and bring the gospel so that those who will become believers in the Jewish Messiah can then begin to influence that this gospel may go all the way back to Israel. Yes. See, we favor Israel. Our plan of missions, the fact that we have people in the most populous Muslim country in the world already. We have missionaries there. We have local pastors there already. You know why? Because God demands it of us. He's shown us the pattern. And your pastors and this church is living this out. What about you, church? Come on. Now, the Lord is a fountain of life. But there's more than that. It's not just that He's a fountain. He makes His people into being a fountain as well. He's a father, and he makes sons that are just like him. Does anybody in this house want to be fully trained? Yes. Don't talk to me about missions. Don't talk to us about these things. Come and live, and you will be able to become what you're supposed to become in the nation that God has actually called you to. Amen. We expect our body to be all over the world. You know why? Because it's God's heart. It is. Come on, follow me into being a fountain to the nations. Amen. Our Father's heart is that we be a fountain to the nations. But it started with a call to Israel to be a fountain to the nations. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 12. Say fully trained when you're there. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, O Lord, although you were angry with me. Your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. It's part of a great song that we sing. With you, I mean, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. That's being a fountain to the nations and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. We have to have the Father's heart to be a fountain to the nations because this is how he instructed his firstborn, Israel. 
He directed their efforts to draw from the wells of salvation and pour out of them that same salvation to all the nations of the world. Follow me as we carry the fountain to the nations so that you can become fully trained. This is what we experience in missions, but this is also what we experience in a daily part of our life. Amen. Church, we're right at an hour mark here. Pastor Matt and I are going to begin to close this time. I want you to understand something. When we give you a list on the screen, it's because it's what we are. It's what God has built here in this place. And we looked at it in a retroactive fashion. It's not like we just listed these things and decided that we wanted to be. What we did was we looked back and we saw what God created in us. And we saw what God is creating in the disciples that are around us. And we said, wait, they're the same thing. There's a Talmudim process that we have to engage in. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 3 for one of our final two passages of Scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 12. Our mission is that you be fully trained. What we are about as a church is that you are fully trained. Ephesians 4 so clearly lays this out that that's our responsibility as a fivefold is to bring you into maturity. Yeah. To bring you where you're not looking at men doing these things. You are the men doing these things. Amen. That is a different perspective than most places you'll go. But see, we're family and so we've got to be honest with each other. We've got to talk straight with each other and understand that that is the goal. It's not that you're around us and you're watching us. It's that you're doing it and we're able to coach you because of what the Lord has already done in our lives. Amen. This is what a father is to a family. The pastor, you're 45. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't assign this role to, to me. I didn't, Pastor Matt didn't assign this role. But we are living in it because we have become exactly these things that we've been speaking to you Amen. all day about. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation. Somebody say this foundation. This foundation. Come on, the foundational principles of what God has built in us. Using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. His work will be shown for what it is. Yeah. Because the day will bring into light. Both the gold, silver, and costly stones and the wood, hay, and straw are being built on the same foundation. Don't go so global right now to think only about the vastness of the kingdom. Think about LCM and the foundation that God has put here that you are building upon. Your work will be shown for what it is. You can't escape that. You can't hide from that. Because there's a fire that's coming. Yeah. See, that might be why some people don't really want to have a fiery faith. They want to be close to other people that are so they can stay warm, so they can stay well lit. But the fire may prove them now. Mm. May, the, may the judgment of God begin here with the family of Amen. God. Do you want to know that when you're standing before Him at Judgment Day? Or do you want to know it now and go, Lord, I want to build with gold and silver and costly stones. Look what it goes on to say. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Yeah. It will. 
What happens when you're in difficult situations? What happens when you're in times when you're not sure? What happens when there's distractions on you? Those are the fires that are beginning to test your work now. Yeah. Are you producing and showing that you've been foundationally transformed? Are you paying full price when it gets really, really difficult? Yeah. Especially when it gets really difficult. Is you, can your family function or does it have to take a tranquil little lake for you to be able to function rightly? Or are you fluctuating all over the place because you don't really have that fiery faith that is just consuming you yet? Church, do you not even ever think about Israel? Can you go through weeks and not think about the people that God loves? Of course He loves you. But this ain't about you. Yeah. Do you have a yearning? To see his kingdom spread to the nations. We have people that we have raised up in this family. In this house that are on the mission field. We have another pool of people that we are waiting to see when God releases them. And they will be on the mission field. We're not talking to you about hypotheticals. We're showing you what the fire has produced in us. And it produces in those that are fully sons of this house. Yeah. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself may be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. We don't want you to be people that have to escape through the flames. We want you to be the people who's ignited by those flames. How does your faith stack up to this foundation? That's where we started in verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation, how does your faith stack up to that? Your life, your works, your fruit will be tested by fire. But a faith forged in the fire of heaven, it's not afraid of flame. No. It is the flame that would come for judgment. You're welcoming it every day. You're changing every day. You're paying full price. You're going through this every single day. You're looking forward to the day that he comes. You're not afraid because you've already been lit on fire. Yes. Does anybody want to have a life that will stand up against this kind of fire? Yes. Does anybody want to be fully trained in this house? Yes. Then follow me as we build upon this foundation. Church, follow me in having a heart that longs for, that yearns for the fire of God to burn and test us now. To reveal the wood, hay, and straw that we have built with and replace it with gold, silver, and precious stones. Replace it with that which is eternal. And follow the model that he has built this church on. But also by that he's built his very nation on. Let's pull up this next slide. As we look at this, on the left side, you're reminded of the very things that we have preached this morning. But it's also the foundation that was established for the nation of Israel to exist. This is nothing new. This is God's pattern. This is right. For us to say, follow me, is the godly pattern by which he's established his nation, by which he advanced his gospel, and it's by which we live our lives today. Then when we have a foundational transformation, that is just like Pesach, having the blood of the lamb bring us from death into life. Then experiencing a full price mentality, making the full price of sacrifice, going through our homes and looking for any yeast, any leaven that would corrupt the bread of heaven that is being put into our lives. 
We then proceed to family function, seeing that in the, the first fruits, that we are to wave our family before the Lord first. Ministry flows from your home first, and from that, ministry will affect the nations. We then look at fiery faith and Shavuot and Pentecost. And that fiery faith begins in our home. And it goes to the nations. It makes you empowered to be witnesses, martyrs for His name. Then we can have a full gospel proclamation. That trumpet that sounds, Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. It says, salvation is here. I know where it's at. Follow me to this place of salvation. Then we have an eye that can see and give favor to Israel. Seeing that salvation is given in a single day. That the nation of Israel was atoned for in the Holy of Holies. At Aruna's threshing floor where David paid the full price so that the whole nation could be saved. Then we become a fountain to the nations. That Sukkot, that tabernacle, that example of a temporary dwelling that is putting its hope in a resurrected dwelling, in a permanent dwelling, offering salvation to all the nations. Church, I want to tell you something at this point. We did not lay out the seven feasts on the right side of the screen and try to build our seven core principles of a church around that. We took 1,700 sermons... 17 years, we distilled it down and started working through this. And we put them in an order. One through seven. This is what we saw that we had become. This is what we saw that the men who were like us produce in other men. And what we found was that it matched perfectly the seven feasts of Israel. We didn't try to manipulate this to work. What we found was, was that the pattern, the way of life, what God had given us was even better than we understood it before. This should give you great confidence that if the Lord has called you here, that you are to become exactly the same pattern that He's always had for His people. Church, what we're saying this morning is follow us into this pattern. We are confident and we have fruit to show that this pattern works. I can show it in my life. I can show it in my home. I can show it my disciples. And I can show it for decades when it's been in place. I want to read to you out of the NASB. 1 Kings 18.40 We were in this passage earlier when describing fiery faith in Elijah. And this is the very next verse from which we left off. It's verse 40. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. That listing of the seven core principles that we're calling you to follow us to become. What is getting in the way? What is the hindrance? What is the prophet of Baal in you? That is impeding this process. Causing you to have two opinions at all times. We're calling you this morning. To do what Elijah did. You take that sin in you. You take that prophet of Baal in you. And you bring him down to the waters of salvation. And you put that sin to death. The foundation that LCM. Has been built. Is building on and will continue to build on. Is that we leave no sin alive inside of us. Elijah took them all down to the brook. And there he put them to death. 
So it must be with our own sins. That that all of our sins are doomed to destruction. Not one must be preserved. At the waters of our salvation, our sin must die. Are you wondering? Are you asking? How do I accomplish this, Pastor? Let me tell you. Jesus will be your resurrection power to do it now. In Him, you have grace to overcome sin. In Him, you have strength to win the victory in the war against your inward lust and your carnal compulsions. Because Christ Jesus has promised to be with you when you are with Him. At this altar, let us run to our God because He is a consuming fire. He will not consume our spirit, but He'll consume our sins. Stand to your feet, please. Church, here's the call for you right now. Follow me. Follow me into the pursuit of putting to death your sin and not letting one escape. Follow me to this altar so that you can be fully trained and begin to live to be what you're called to be. So you're here to become us. There's no other call today than it is to follow me, to follow us in what the Lord has given us. No duplicity in your thinking. No thinking, man, I love these guys, but I'm not sure about these things. Be what we are. Mighty God, I call upon your great name that what you have built into this house Lord, we are honoring you for what you've built into this house. But Lord, it's not enough just for it to stay in the house. It must be in each and every individual. That we will become like the men that you have put before us. God, that we will become what you've actually called us to be. And there is a way. There is a path. And that's for us to change. Be like a child. Submit ourselves to you and watch you do something in us. May there not be an ounce of difference between us. May there not be an inch of space between us. Lord, but that you would cause us to be everything that you have orchestrated that we be. Lord, that this group of people will produce fruit. That this group of people will be dedicated to discipleship. And disciples that then create other disciples. Because this is the way of the kingdom. Lord, change us now. Lord, we know that you've changed us before, but we're asking you to change us again. Change us now, God. Don't let us stay here, but apart from your work. Lord, we give you this time. We give you this day. And we definitely give you our lives that you might make us into what you are producing in this house and in this family. In Jesus' name.